Special touch to the gentlemen, I'm misfortune. To the ladies, I'm surprise. But call me by any name, any way, it's all the same. I'm the fly in your suit. I'm the pedal in your shoe. I'm the deep beneath your bed. I'm the bump on every head. I'm the peel on which you slip. Side makes you wriggle and ride, and it's so easy when you're evil. This is the life you see. The devil tips his hat to me. I do it all because I'm evil, and I do it all for free. Your tears are all the pay I'll ever need.
being evil What I'd do to see a smile Even for a little while And no one loves you when you're evil I'm lying through my teeth Your tears are all the company I need Gaming on the Frontier. And now, your host. This is Bruce. And this is Trav. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, your podcast of finding out how far you can push the other players and still be a hero. Or are you? And a big shout out to Voltaire and The Devil's Briss. Track number 11, When You're Evil, who so kindly provided this particular episode's intro. Thanks again. Meow. That was Skeletor, by the way, doesn't it? Oh, was that Skeletor? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, sounded, it sounded like a very caddish Skeletor. <laughs> yeah, because that's how he sounds like. <laughs> I, you know, I, I spent a while. I don't remember that, that well. But yeah. Um, so this week we are talking about being evil. Uh, as in playing an evil character or running an evil character if you're the GM. You know, which is really, your, as we all know, it's, you know, you're Mary Sue, right? <laughs> You said you wouldn't but, tell. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, so, and there's lots and lots of issues about doing this. And so we thought we'd get into it because we know that the, the general, basically the general point of view of of everybody that you run into, including my own son, because I asked him about this, uh, is, is that, you know, people will not be happy playing an evil character. You know, and, and of course, uh, being happy may not be the point if you're playing evil. But anyways, so basically, uh, I think the first thing we need to do is we need to define what is evil. Because, you know, that's that's going to make a big... Uh, because if we don't have that baseline, then it's hard to talk about it. Yes. So, Trav, what what is it that you consider to be evil? Well, good and evil. Good, I mean, we're, we're taught both in a way and i'm not trying to wax philosophical here or you know impose my views on people but i see it as good you know we're, we're taught you have to share you have to work together and these are societal norms we've all been raised with you know it's like bobby you have to you know play with the kids properly you have to share your toys evil we usually see it's either perpetrated on us or we see it perpetrated and it's used as a way to gain control of the situation um I hate using this example, but, you know, cycles of abuse, things like that. You know, we see it, it's perpetuated on in one way or another. But generally, you are using non-societal conforming methods to get your way. And often through violent means and in a lot of ways, you know, capital crimes and what. Um, evil, trying to find the right way to put this again without sounding preachy. Yeah, basically using harmful methods to assert power in a situation either okay. physical or psychological harm all right uh, to me the uh, the essence of evil is it's self ultimately self-oriented it's all about the self it's about what you want it's about what makes you feel good regardless of what it, you know what anybody else thinks as and and you have to devalue what other people need and want uh, if it in any way conflicts with what you want, 
And so that's that's the essence of evil. It's it's it's, it's extreme hubris. It's self centeredness. And we're not talking about just being you know everyone's allowed to be a little selfish. You know, and it's good to be selfish a little bit. You need to take care of yourself. Yeah. But where we're talking about where you are the center of the universe in your own mind. Um, everyone else exists to serve your purposes, and anyone who doesn't is therefore an enemy and needs to be either controlled or eliminated, you know, which is the ultimate form of control, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Okay? So it also, I think it also includes things where you go beyond that, okay, where you, in fact, enjoy dominating other people. It gives you pleasure to do so. You know, the guy who uh, is the head of a corporation, and he has... 10,000 workers over him and he and he goes and makes some directive that he knows just you know is going to affect all of them and you know and uh, you know, knowing that no matter what he says they're just going to have to do it because he's the boss okay that's evil you know now if it's good it, it might be good for him it might be good for them but if he doesn't care about that if that doesn't factor into it it's just really I just want to exert my will over as many people as possible well, that's evil. Okay. And as a corollary, you, you enjoy other people's pain. You enjoy watching other people squirm. You enjoy watching them suffer. You enjoy seeing them you know, lose while you gain. These are all things that evil characters you know, basically uh, uh, like. They, 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 they uh, try to achieve. Uh, good characters, of course, don't do that. You know, it, you know, good characters may uh, try to exert their will over other people for the benefit of all. Evil characters don't care. It's like, it's good for me. You know, what's good for General Motors, or I'm sorry, what's good for Westinghouse is good for the country, was a, an adage that was out, you know, uh, in the last century. Hmm. Some people, I'm sure Westinghouse still believes that. I mean, we're not trying to slam Westinghouse, you know. No, no, no. I'm just saying, though, is that that was actually a point of view in Congress, that you know, they they wanted to make sure that that uh, the huge conglomerates, you know, their needs were taken care of more more so than let's say clean water, uh, health, um, even um, you know prosperity of the people that lived in their area because it kept our our country strong economically. And they and many of the laws that were passed or the laws that were not enforced were done so because it benefited somebody who either provided money for, you know, uh, campaigns or pe people who are actually providing tens of thousands of jobs. And that was, you know, and every, anybody who's a politician knows that anybody who does that is somebody you need to be to take care of. Uh, yeah. So because people, when they lose their jobs by the tens of thousands, they, they have a tendency to agree that somebody else should be in your job. So it's, it's always... Uh, that's that's one reason why uh, in the last century they had a, a number of make work programs where it was just to keep people occupied, you know, give them you know minimum wage jobs. I uh, I was in a summer job program that was um, that was provided by the government. Uh, they basically gave money to the local parks to hire kids to come out and do basically uh, gardening labor at the parks okay. uh, for for the summer. And I got minimum wage, but you know, it wasn't a hard job, and I got paid. And at the end of it, I took my money and I bought myself a stereo. There you go. Okay. <laughs> so everybody, everybody, uh, you know, won out, and somewhere out there, you know, and I'm, and so I, and the park looked a lot better, and a lot of people got to enjoy the park, you know, in its more pristine state. So 
you know, it was one of those things where everybody benefited. You know, could that money have been put someplace else more important, you know, like childcare or, or um, you know, uh, delivering meals to shut-ins and things like that? Probably. But uh, I was glad for the job because I needed a job. I was a teenager and I wanted money. And, uh, and it was a job. So there they are. And that would be defined a lot of teenagers today would like it. It would be defined as something good because it helped young teenagers, you know, gain money and a sense of responsibility. It helped right. clean up a local park for, you know, use by the public since it is a public land. Right. Yeah, so yeah. that would be considered it, it, a good gesture. It was. It was considered a good thing. Nobody said anything bad about it afterwards. Uh, but uh, if you what you if what you were trying to do was gain traction politically, uh, you might, you know, that it would that would have been a technique for getting yourself ahead, you know, and it just happened to be the best way of getting yourself ahead. Perhaps it might have been better for someone to go and take that money and give it to uh, 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 to a uh, an invest, you know, an investor, you know, who wanted to, you know, who then turn around and give you even more money. So uh, you know, that's and lots of politicians have done that. So as I say, when you talk about evil, you know, it's it's you always have to tra- trace it back to who's really benefiting from it, who is ultimately benefiting, not the local temporal types of things, but you know what's what's the point of it? Is it to maintain power? You know, is it to increase power? Is does it just make the person who gave it feel good about it? You know, because you know not because it did you good, but because it made them feel good. That's what evil is. Now, another thing that I think that evil is, is that an evil person will always undermine any system that doesn't have that character at the top, unless that character can rise to the top of that system. So, for example, uh, a lot of politicians, uh, at one point, you know, in, in our history, uh, the, there, there were like three, three sources of power, landowners, uh, the church, and the military. And depending upon which group you were in, you'd try to minimize the power of the other groups. Okay. So in the case of the military, you would like, uh, you would, you would like not give them money <laughs> or not give them men because most military, their men came from the landowners, for example. You know, the, the landowners were required to give a certain number of people in the times of war or just in general, uh, you know, maintaining of the defense of the country. Yes. Uh, if you somehow manage to uh, undermine that, you know, uh, by uh, you know by not doing that, then you would lower the power of the military. Or if you could somehow manage to get an idiot, you know, uh, promoted to the top ranks of the military, then you could uh, uh, very easily, um, you know, reduce the military's uh, effectiveness, yeah. especially against controlling you, you know, because bad leaders, you know, don't make good tactical plans. Uh, putting people who are not, uh, putting people who are who are not aggressive uh, in the military also has a tendency not to use up a lot of military resources because aggressive people go out and try to take land and uh, enlarge the kingdom, which would be good for the king if you were the king. But if you're not, then you probably don't want to do that because it's just going to take resources away from you. Now, it's this, and it's the same with the church. You know, the church, everybody always needs money or they need land, to, they need a place to support their, their people. They need a place to put their um, uh, monk monastery or, or they want, you know, they, they need money and so the king will grant them taxes. 
you know, uh, go across this bridge, and they and they can collect tax from everybody who goes across the bridge. You know, that's uh, all you have to do is uh, change, take that tax away from them, and suddenly the church doesn't have a whole lot to, uh, you know, is is as powerful it was can't influence people by giving them stuff and gaining their popularity by by doing good to others because they literally don't have the resources to do it. So, but if you can rise to the top of whatever that is, whether you become, can become the pope, whether you can become the king, whether you can uh, you know basically grab all the land around you, become the head of the military, then yeah, you're going to want to support that organization. Sure. Let's see. Don't have to. Uh, you you put an addendum here. Well, undermine any system that doesn't have a character at the top, unless that character can rise to the top of the system. In parentheses. Right. Don't have to adhere to the strictures of the system to take advantage of it. See Caligula. Right, exactly. So here's Caligula, who is at the top of the Roman Empire. The man is an idiot, okay? He's not, you know, he's crazy. But, you know, he's also, you know, doesn't actually have to be a good ruler because he's there. You know, he is the, you know, to, he, uh, he's, in a sense, he's divine. As a matter of fact, he convinces people that he's divine or to act like he's divine because they don't want to die. So at one point uh, in the movie Caligula, uh, he wants to do something, and and they are all like, "Oh no, Lord! You know, there's no money to do that." And he goes, and he says, "Excuse me, but what is the size of my purse?" And they're like, they throw up their hands and says, "Well, whatever was required, my Lord, of course." And he says, "Oh, that's good to know." And then, but then he think he thinks of ways of uh, raising capital, like for example, taking all the the uh, the wives and daughters of the uh, uh, of the Roman senators and put and putting them into a brothel and selling them for a coin for the to to refill the royal treasuries that he just spent money on. Here's a really evil dude who just like you say he he's you know he he's he's the head of the government, but he's doing so many things to under undermine the other members of the government around him. So he's a really good example of somebody who's evil. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, 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 but he's also so crazy that sometimes people, you know, people will forget what's, you know, which part's the evil and which part's the crazy. So, all right. So that's what, that's how I look at evil. Uh, is there anything more you want to add on your uh, definition? Um, I think I defined it as best I could as far as how I see it. And I mean, you okay. have wonderfully. Yeah. All right, great. Okay, so uh, let's talk about you know some more concrete examples. Have have you ever played an evil character? Yeah, mostly uh, as a game master. I don't believe I've ever played an evil character as a player. Okay, well I have, and uh, I played. Uh, I, I forget what my race was, uh, but anyways, I was in a party of all evil characters, and I was it was back in the beginning of my D and D career, uh, though not the very early years. I mean, I I knew how to play, and they said, okay, we're all going to play evil characters and i'm like well okay i'm evil so that means i gotta go do evil things so i said what kind of evil things can i do <laughs> this was the thoughts that were going through the mind when you're saying i'm going to play an evil character um i really had thought through all the things that i i listed as for defying evil i said well evil is as evil does so i gotta do evil stuff so the first thing i did was is that when we camped out that night we were on a big open plane big grassland savanna kind of thing. Yeah. So, oh, about 3 o'clock in the morning, I go upwind to the camp, and I set, I set the grass on fire. And the next thing you know, there's this roaring grass fire r racing toward the camp, and everybody's getting out of their camps and trying to grab their stuff, and things are getting burned, and people are getting injured. I thought that was great. <laughs> it was, I mean, it was hurting the party. 
it was lowering our, our resources. People weren't getting enough sleep. They got they lost equipment, which meant that when we went on to the adventure, we were going to have less resources. But I didn't care because I was doing evil stuff. And, you know, I, that that was the simplistic view of evil. Oh, you know, yeah, the, yeah. The, uh, you know, the, the scene chewing. Now, of course, you know, when they said, how did this happen? I'm, I'm like, oh, I have no idea. You know, maybe lightning strike or something. Yeah. It's, it's like, you know, I know what I, I never got caught, you know, doing it, you know, but uh, and, uh, uh, and 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 to be and to, uh, in fact, the the adventure didn't really last beyond one session, which is what my son says. He says that that evil that when people play evil, they're doing it more as a lark and they're not really serious about it. And so it usually doesn't last very long because of the detriments of, you know, uh, of being, you know, of, of playing an evil character. So, well, I mean, if you're working contrary to the ideals of your party, yeah, after a while, that, that breaks up party cohesion. Yeah. Well, now, not necessarily ideals. I think you mean the, the goals, the benefits. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you could have a pal. I mean, I've been in an evil party that had a paladin in it. Which worked out very poorly for the Paladin, as it turns out. Because, yeah, I, you know, I ran a campaign years ago, a previous Friday night game, and I think I might have mentioned this. It was basically a mashup of Farscape and the Eberron setting. It was called Space Chase, which was the original name for Farscape. And it was okay. the Readrons, who are the psionic nation on another continent. They made up these crystalline ships. I had a creature like Pilot. And they were kidnapping people from the other D&D planes. So we had people from Greyhawk, people from Faerun, people from Dragonlance. And one of the people that was in the group was a lawful evil drow. So needless to say, this this person became the leader of this group, the de facto leader. Why? Just because they were lawful? Well, just they came up with the best ideas. I mean, we had two Kender, a, and I forget the name of the race, but it was like a hybrid of a hobgoblin and a wolf. I think it was called a morgue or something like that. And it was a child. So yeah, incredibly strong, but a nine-year-old girl's mentality. Okay. The people who were good were not all that, I mean, come on, two Kender, neutral and chaotic good, neutral good and chaotic good. Yeah. You're not, I mean, a person with no fear, no sense of personal property, and you're going to trust them to be the moral compass. No. So the lawful evil drow ended up being the de facto leader of the party. And just, yeah, the the campaign didn't last long because they just ended the campaign in a really violent way. Basically, with the ship, the people that were chasing them, we'll go to the asteroid belt, get a rock, and drop it on them. Mm-hmm. And I did the math and everything and had all that. And yeah, it ended the campaign because it's just like, yeah, you guys did something we didn't expect you to do. You basically wiped out a city of 70,000 people. Okay, we'll back off. I'm mm-hmm. like, well, great. What are we going to do next week? You just ended the campaign. You ended the major threat. Thanks a lot. You know? yeah. But because it was that one evil character and just this character, of course, a drow, you know, just did things and everybody else was just horrified. And it's like, we're at war with these people. They took us from our homes. Are we going to sit there and pussyfoot around? So, yeah, um, as I said, I wasn't playing the evil character. This is one of my players, but, I mean, they just devious. I mean, it, it was, and everybody kind of had to go along because this player really just put it logically. It's like, okay, this is what we need to do to survive. These people will keep hunting us until we put an end to it. I think destroying a city, 70,000 of their people, you know, yeah, it put a damper on their agenda nicely. 
Um, so this person was a king of spin. Oh, yeah. No, no. Tommy knew how to play this character wonderfully. Yeah. And just I'm even looking at them just going, you know, just shaking, a tom- shaking my head at Tommy going, unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you can convince other people that it was their idea all along, well, no, he didn't it's do amazing, that. No, what, no, you, no, it's this, amazing what you can get away with. No, the, the, the character didn't do that. Just the character appealed logically. And even to the childlike morgue, you know, the, the, the big hairy wolf-like with, you know, being with a nine-year-old girl brain. It's like, do you want these people to keep chasing after you? No. Well, this is what we have to do because they won't chase after us. And of course, her being the strong person, okay, you need to lift this heavy thing. <laughs> Put it in the bay here and then we'll go. So yeah, I mean, this character was evil, but lawful evil. So, you know, lawful evil has that internal code. It may not be an internal code that meshes with society, but they still have their own internal code. The best way to describe lawful evil would be like mobsters, the Yakuza, um, you know, the mafia with their code of um, omerta. Okay. You know, the whole honor among thieves thing. No, I got it. I forgot the term. Yeah, so, yeah, this character was that and just put things very logically because it was an army chasing us, so the character understood, okay, this is how a military body would do things so we have to you know counter it this way it's a matter of tactics so yeah um let's see have i personally played evil well yeah as i said being a gm you get that chance and it's often a chance for us gms to kind of cut loose because i said i've been gming now out of the 40 plus years i've been playing probably gming for 30 now so so you you gm'd an evil campaign oh no i no no well it wasn't an evil campaign it ended up being that because this is what the space chase is what the characters were playing and, like, out of the six characters, I think three of them were some component of evil. I think we had the lawful evil and, I think, two neutral evils. So, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of nastiness in this campaign. And, as I said, it was the, the childlike morgue and the two kender were the, trying to be the moral compasses and it just fell through. But as far as me playing evil characters, oh, probably my best one, and this is back in the days of the AOL chat rooms, so it was that type of role play. It was Alien Race, kind of a Senator Palpatine type character, and it was a senator of this this planet. Humanoid Pegasi with an offshoot of unicorns, and the unicorns could use magic. The Pegasi had mental powers. So this unicornoid senator also had his own Machiavellian plans, and I played it to the hilt. Even when they killed the character off, they were sitting there going, you know, coming back to me can you bring this character back somehow find a logical way and i had to bring the character back because apparently they really liked how i role played this character mm-hmm. i was just and i didn't think i had it in me and this was when i was like probably about half my age and just they love this character and now because this race is part of you know it's part of the fanfic i wrote for bureau 13 so to me it's b13 canon my players don't listen to this podcast i know this or otherwise they'd let me know so i can say this that character is coming back uh, oh okay oh, oh i'm gonna have fun Oh yeah, they're gonna be. I'm gonna. I'm gonna show a whole new side to the Saturday group. Yeah, just. All right. So yeah, it. It. I think us playing a particular evil character like a long-standing villain, mm-hmm. it kind of lets us GMs cut loose a little. So it, you. You. You think it feel? It makes. You, it's freeing to be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, these are things you would not do in your own. You know, in in real life. It's why there are some people that do first-person shooters. That's how we relieve stress. I'm sure a lot of us game masters. I mean, we don't try to take it out on our players. I mean, that's a bad GM if you're doing that. But yeah, we get to play the bad guy because, like Arnold Schwarzenegger said when he was playing Mr. Freeze in Batman and Robin, the villains get the best lines. Oh, uh, only if it's a bad writer. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it just. Um, 
okay, there was, and it has to do with, you know, allowing evil in your life every so often. Probably 20, 30, 40 years ago, and I remember reading this article in a composition textbook in college. Stephen King wrote an article for Playboy called Feeding the Beast Within. Mm -hmm. And it talked about how we like our horror movies and our true crime and our murder documentaries, you know, like the whole Netflix Ted Bundy thing that's out right now. We do that to open that little trap door to feed that beast. Because for everyone here, I'm not condoning the type of behavior where a person snaps and, you know, like the Kalamazoo um, Uber driver that just one day snapped and killed three people. I don't condone that at all. But us liking horror movies and true crime documentaries and all that, it feeds that beast. It allows that beast to keep down in, locked in that cellar. Yeah. You let the beast out. That's what the horror movie is about. Right, yeah. But then you, you, you by engage. the end of the movie, you want it locked back in the cellar because otherwise then who knows what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. But, well, it's like the saying. All it takes is one bad day. You could have as... And, and you see, it's, as I said, if you research that case about the Uber driver, he had no mental history and no criminal history. He just snapped one day. And it could have mm -hmm. been just a bad traffic or a, you know, a, a crappy passenger. But yeah, it, so when we play these characters for us as GMs playing some type of antagonistic persona, it allows us to let that be, feed that beast for a little while. And then we lock it back in the cellar. So it is stress relief in a way, as long as you as a GM are not doing it to be a jerk to your players. Yeah, it's also wish fulfillment. Well, yeah, yeah, let's face it. I mean, there there is that little part of us that wants to do these things, but we know that you just don't do that in polite society. Yeah, okay. Well, um, so uh, what do you think about the term that, um, that no matter whether you're evil or good, you're always the hero of your own story? Do you think that's actually true? Oh, yeah, I mean, well, oh, I think we may have made this point before, um, many ages ago on a previous, because I remember bringing this up, the character Magneto. Mm -hmm. He doesn't think he's evil. He does some bad things, but he's trying to save the mutants from going through what the Jews did, because Magneto was around in World War II. Right. Eric Lesher and, was in the concentration camps. That's and he why. doesn't care how many non-mutants die right, as a result. he's trying to save, quote-unquote, his race. Mm -hmm. He does not see mutants as just an evolutionary. He sees them as the next evolutionary phase. He does not want them herded into camps and killed just because of their different genetically. So right, he is yeah, he believes that he believes it's a zero sum game. Right, he, he believes that if we don't, if, if the mutants don't kill the norms, the norms will kill the the mutants. And so he has. I mean. And, and you see in various iterations, you see the Michael Fassbender version, the Ian McKellen version, the version of the comics. He admits that he's done some rotten things in his time, but it is for, quote-unquote, greater good. And that is where he and Charles Xavier... <laughs> oh, that's where he only, if you, only if you consider evolutionary advancement to be the greater good. Well, I mean, for him, yeah, he sees that, yeah, we are... I mean, him and remember, him and Charles Xavier were always friends until that one moment where they split in ideology. Yeah. And then you saw the one scene where Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart in the, I believe in the first X-Men movie, where they're playing chess. Oh, yeah. They were old friends. It's just they had ideological differences that were almost anathematical to each other about how humans and mutants should be on the planet. Charles, mm -hmm. he wanted them to coexist peacefully. Magneto, it's like, hey, you know, like, the oh, God, and I'm blanking. Whoever said whatever it takes. I want to say Malcolm oh, I, X. I'm not sure. I think so. But basically, Magneto was like very Machiavellian about it. The ends justify the means. 
If yes. I kill a hundred humans, it'll save a thousand mutants. You know that type of thing. Or along They're the other way around. Yeah. I'll kill a thousand humans to save a hundred mutants. Yeah. Okay. You, yeah. Yeah. It's a whole thing. You know what I mean? Don't confuse me with the facts. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but oh no, no, most villains. Yeah, they're going to see themselves as having some type of goal. Now, obviously, the hero is just going to chalk up. You're rationalizing. You still killed a million people, you know. Oh, but I did it for this reason. doesn't matter. You still killed a million people. Yes. And so, yeah, most good villain that you actually... And, it, and a good villain is, yeah, you hate him. You can't stand his guts. But like Chris Rock says, but I understand. You know, you, you get why he's doing what he's doing. Right. Well, there's a, there's a, uh, a role-playing game out there called Necessary Evil where... It's all the evil overlords, masterminds on the planet band together to stop an alien invasion because it's like, well, you know, we're evil, but that doesn't mean you get to take our, uh, we're not going to, doesn't mean we're going to let you take our planet. We will, we will stick together long enough to get rid of you and then we'll fall back to seeing who's top dog amongst ourselves. But until then, you know, we're, we're going to work together and we're going to take you down. So they were all evil. You got to play evil characters, evil masterminds with various powers and such, going up against, you know, alien superpower. I think you did mention this game to me once before, yeah. It, yeah. It sounds yeah. a very interesting concept about you're trying to, it's like nobody can pick on this planet but us type thing, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's our planet, yeah. Well, you know, you, you have that same sort of thing where it's like, you know, we're, we're already abusing our people, enslaving them, doing terrible things to them, but don't let some other country come in and try to take us over. Oh, no. He says, you know, this is our this is our uh, ancestral ground, okay? You know, our we our people have bled and died for this ground, and it's ours, and you can't have it. And yeah. it's like, dude, you were just slaughtering your own people like one year ago, okay? And and you were fine with that. Now that somebody else is doing the slaughtering, you're all up up in their face about it, you know. And so that's you know that that's the ironic part of the thing. Yeah. But um. But I know I totally disagree with that. I I mean I think it's 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 part of the goodness of people that they want to go and see evil people as human. They want. I mean, and I'm not saying that they aren't, but I'm saying is that we want to see them that way. We want to find reasons why they're doing things. If they're you know, and so we'll have we have a tendency to cast them in in the role of the abused, in the role of the uh, uh, of the weak. Uh, the role uh, the uh, the role of the fearful. We, you know, you can say that Magneto. You know, he is so terrified that you know th that that the mutants are going to be destroyed and put in concentration camps and all that stuff. The way his people were, that he's willing to do anything to keep that from happening. So his his life is full of fear. You know, and you'd think that Charles Xavier would have been able to help him with that if that was the case. But uh, but see that's I think that's us projecting uh, because I mean I, I I'm not saying that the people that have done terrible things in our own world you know were shooting up schools and everything else uh, you know most people you know say those people are mentally ill they you know they they they've gone something is broken inside of them that they're willing to do that that's the way people look at it because that's the viewpoint of good people evil people on the other hand just see other people as not being important or other people as being a means to an end or other people as as being just well, well as i said not the, not the, the not whole, that important well the whole thing with uh 
how Hitler did it. He sat there and dehumanized an entire ethnicity to where it was okay to do it. I mean, he had his propaganda and there it was reputed. And I've heard this a lot that Hitler's mother died of cancer and it was a Jewish doctor that couldn't save her. So that started it. And then everything with Jewish banking as Germany was reconstructing after World War One, and it just all welled up for Hitler, and he just said, okay, boom, these are the people I don't like, and you should not like them either, and hence World War II. He had his yeah. reason, and it's like, yeah, he lost his mother, but let's face it, it was cancer in, you know, the early 20th century. There's not a whole yeah. heck of a lot you could have done. Yeah. What, so, did, did, was it because he lost his mother, or was it or was it can be an excuse for him to say, you know, I'm going to take this group of people and vilify them so I can take all the possessions that belong to them and use it to enrich my my career. Well, that's the thing. Back in the, you know, 20s and 30s, it was pretty much that, from what I've read in history books, a lot of the banks were run by Jewish people. So they did have the money. So yeah, Hitler, uh-huh. I'm sure that in the beginning, vilifying that doctor for not saving his mother was a good start for his attitude and then just as everything happened through the 20s and 30s you know and how oh yeah you know germany can be rich but no it's this particular group has all the money okay that just builds on the foundation he had from losing his mother and wrongfully blaming this jewish physician so it just built up and built up and then after a while he felt in his head i'm sure that hey i have a case to vilify this entire ethnicity and he got six million of them killed and yeah got, i got i, I think where- that uh, he and Goebel and a number of other people i think that they you know they truly were evil and you know they they did these things not just for the good of the german people though they probably they By having the German people become a superpower again, it was good for them, but it was better, even better for them. Well, yeah, Uh, as the leaders of the the Reich. Yeah. Yeah. So it's and and that's and that's one of the 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 things that you have to be really careful about as a good person. You know, is that evil people will always try to say, "Well, we're doing this for you." You know, this is for your benefit. That's what I mean. That the good that that good people will sit there and, I mean, the evil person can say, okay, this, 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 and happened to me. You're rationalizing. Stop it. It's like, okay, you have a, you have a, a female friend who's in a bad relationship. The guy is abusive, treats her like crap and all this. Well, all this stuff happened to him. Yeah, that's him as a kid. He's a grown, grown man. Yeah. He's an adult. He shouldn't be doing this anymore. Yes. It is, yes. it is, um contrary to being in a relationship if he is treating you bad and he's using his past as an excuse no and and just no you don't do that i mean yeah this guy had all this bad stuff happen to him because and he's going to blame it on the jews well even if this jewish doctor let his mom die for one reason or another let quote unquote yeah as if yeah you're you're still doing bad things you're still an adult yeah it's we good people do tend to rationalize and but i think also for that if you try to see the reasoning behind it you might find a way to stop it somehow mm-hmm. i said might i didn't always work i'm saying you might you know find a weakness in it yeah well i you know the, you might but usually the best way of, of of stopping evil is keeping it on a short leash cuz that's how it worked with alfred lickspittle of lake town in the hobbit Whenever uh, he was the guy that was working for the master of the town. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. As long as he had soldiers that is, uh, you know, at, at behind him, or the uh, authority of the of the of the master, he didn't care about what happened to anybody. He was cruel, 
and vicious and greedy. He was a bully. And he was a bully. He was yeah. a complete bully, right? And But as soon as he was caught, you know, as soon as he came up against somebody strong or somebody got caught without his his backup, he folded because he had, you know, he because he was a coward. So evil, I, you know, I believe, you know, the best, you know, you, you can't get rid of evil uh, uh, because evil arises out of, as I said, selfishness and uh, the enjoyment of domination over other people, which is, you know, to a certain extent, all of us. Uh, so you have to keep it on a short leash, you know, much like the adage of feeding the two uh, wolves inside you, yeah. the good wolf and the bad wolf, you know. So the one who wins is the one you feed the most. So, but you know, evil—you have to basically keep it on a short leash. Uh, if you th- if you think you've eliminated it, it's always going to prove to be false. And uh, and a lot of times we propagate evil by trying to eliminate it. So you get the pe- like, and that's what um, oh uh, vendetta. Vendetta is, is is a classic case of evil where somebody does you wrong. So um, like in the uh, movie. Uh, uh, the Untouchables he says they put your guy in the hospital. You put their guys in the grave. Yeah. You know, there's a constant escalation that goes on until one side basically can't advance. Either they're gone, but then what happens is is that you don't ever kill everybody. There's always other people around. You know, other family members, other whatever. You know, uh, friends, colleagues, or whatever, and they remember. Yeah, and they pa- and then and they pass on. To the next generation that these people need to pay and sooner or later someone's going to rise up and make them or their descendants pay and the cycle just keeps on going the son's suffering for the sins of the father yes right but if you basically engage in the same behavior where you know you take somebody who's only whose sin is to be the descendant of someone who did something wrong and you kill them for the sins of their parents well they know that's unjust Everybody else knows that's unjust, you know, it's just vengeance, you know, and so it just, then there's, then the next generation says, okay, now we've got to get back <laughs> again, and it just keeps cycling and cycling. So that's evil, because it's, it never has, it can never be resolved that way. You can never, re- you can resolve, uh, you, you can resolve some things with violence only if you, it's really extreme, or if it's very very surgical, you know, where yeah. you basically, you take somebody who everybody agrees is the bad guy and you take them out. And, you know, sometimes that creates a vacuum and somebody will rise up and take their place because if the system itself is evil, then yeah, it's, yeah. it's just going to replace cells. That's why it, 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 we haven't been able to get rid of organized crime or drug use, you know, yeah. uh, drug cartels is because, the, you know, right now we're, um, we're putting some guy in jail who's El, El Chapa. Okay, yeah. his sons are already divvying up his empire and, and hard at work, making it even better than Daddy made it. Yeah. <laughs> so we haven't actually done anything, you know, other than brought justice to him. Well, you, so. you mentioned something about taking out somebody surgically, and it, it's yeah. I'm going to bring up the 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 series Person of Interest when Samaritan came online. Uh-huh. And John Greer, the guy who basically had Samaritan's leash. He was sitting there saying, if you wipe out a hundred people random or randomly, nothing changes. But if you take the right ones out surgically, grand changes occur. Taking out the outliers, the people who drag society down, 
you'll see society straighten up. With Samaritan, he thought he was doing the right thing. He was bringing, and what did he call it, say it to Finch, a more just society. You're still killing people. You're still, you know, manipulating the world's computers to hire people to hit, you know, put hits out on others and cause things to happen and all this. But yeah, again, it's justification. It's, you know, we're doing this for a greater good. That's right. what I'm seeing a lot of villains. Yeah. And, and most of the time, most of the time, the villains, I mean, these, these, these ideas, these are, these are the, the, this is how you, you basically take good people and make them do bad things is you say, well, if we just do this one thing, we just take this one guy out, then everything will fall into place and it'll be, you know, it, it'll, it'll be puppies and, 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 and hot chocolate for everyone. You know? <laughs> and, you know, and that may be true for a time, but usually what happens, though, is, is that you, uh, as the saying goes, that you become the, you, in, in, that, in that process, many times you become the monster that you're trying to destroy. What is that? You either die the hero or live long enough to become the villain. Yeah. Ah, I've seen I've seen that saying too. Right. Yeah. So, uh, when you ran your evil campaign, uh, how long did it last? Well, gee, after the the player characters dropped a meteor on the town of seventy thousand people, not all that long. Uh, I'd maybe I'd say maybe half a year. It was probably one of the yeah. shorter campaigns I ran. Right. Um, I ran an evil campaign, and um, it lasted I think two years. They got up to twentieth level, oh, wow. almost twentieth level. Yeah. And uh, it, and they were very subdued in their evilness, partially because my son, who was about ten years old, was in the game. Yeah. And I and I just gave them this look, you know, whenever they tried to get too graphic or too anything. <laughs> it's like, you know. So you're sitting there just looking at them and going, "Dudes," and pointing behind them, the line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He 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 was not. He was playing a chaotic neutral, uh, a bronze dragon who started off as a hatchling and grew up to an adult, a full adult dragon by the end of the campaign, twentieth level. Okay. Which which makes no sense if you think about biology, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that that was his thing. He was basically advancing as a dragon. Whenever he went up levels, he got dragon powers and stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, everybody else went up as like a fighter or a thief. And one guy, of course, you know, became the the mastermind and uh, and, and was and was trying his very hardest to get to the top of the local um, uh, uh, royalty by by uh, initially by marrying into it. Unfortunately. Uh, he because he was she was evil he was playing a female character was evil had a tendency to do things that shocked these people and so they never quite could make the commitment he says you've done so many good things for us we want to reward you but we just don't think we want to be married to you ah. and at which point he said fine fine that's okay he says, I'll go another route. And that's when he started summoning up pit fiends and having babies with them. Yes. Oh. It would have gotten very messy probably in another year if we kept playing. Yeah. So it's uh, not to mention the fact is that he is, you know, he was already as, as a 20th level caster uh, in both mage and cleric. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of power. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, uh, but yeah, so that, so it can go on, but it, you know, it, it's it's uh, it was mostly a matter of saying, okay, you know, we you're st even though you're evil, you know, let's let's you know, we need to follow some guidelines, you know, and and we'll get to those a little later about how you play the character. But I'm saying is that I mostly just kept sending them out on on quests to gain powerful items or to get information like 
spells that were hard for them to find, you know, and uh, and they and always with the idea of, of the carrot of making themselves very very powerful, so that then they could come back and take over the area. So as long as I kept sending them out, the, the people back where they lived, where their base was, could live in peace because they weren't being abused by these folks. All right, so. Um, now, we, we were talking about Alfred Lickspittle. Does relative levels of ability affect evil versus good play? And, and what I was saying is, is that, you know, if you have, like, a first-level evil character in your group and you're all, like, six or seven level, well, you know, anytime they, they get too far out of line, you just smack them back in right, the line. exactly, yeah. Yeah. So as long as evil never gets too powerful, or at least not powerful relative to you, but uh, it's, it's, it's kind of an illusion, I think, because that's only when you see them. Well, that, that's the whole thing I meant with this lawful evil drow in my Space Chase campaign. Is that mm -hmm. they were all the same level. It's just, as far as, I, I do believe that Tommy um, played spellcasters, either cleric or sorcerer. And usually female drow characters, their favorite class is cleric. So I think, yeah, she was, yeah, clerical lolf, I think. So, yeah, you had this evil cleric. So there was the magical power also just a very intelligent being and the pet warg really helped matters too so yeah it was pretty much it's like okay i've got the evil power i've got the warg i've got you know the tactical brilliance <laughs> that was that helped in tommy's favor a lot because that's why the campaign went the way it did and that poor town in eberron got taken out by a meteor so yeah so relative levels of ability yeah, if the evil person has a lot of personal power, either through magic or influence or whatever, yeah, that evil's going to be there. But like your example, if it's all six-level good characters and you got your first-level character trying to be evil, that leash is pretty tight. Yeah, unless, of course, they do all their evil out of sight. Yeah, where, it do, where they affect... Well, yeah, it could be where just... If it's out of sight where the players don't know about it, if he's just doing it off of the side... Yeah. Or if he's doing it where it can't be traced back to him. Right. Yeah, then, yeah. You know, you go off and you find yourself some peasant farm farm uh, cottage. And you go in there and you tie up all the family and you have fun with them. Yeah. You know, for a day or two. And then at the end of which you either, you know, depending upon what you've done, you know, you, you, uh, you, you decide what you're going to do with them. And sometimes you just leave them knowing that... You know, they'll always remember what you've done, you know, or be just kill them so they can't tell anybody that might get back to you. Well, yeah, so, and you can, you can be really, really evil and then come back and you're all like, here, everybody, I brought donuts. Yeah. <laughs> everybody thinks, oh, man, you're so, always thinking of us. You're so sweet. Well, it'd be bribery, but also I'm thinking of the old saying where it says, come to the dark side, we have cookies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Yeah, oh, we have just... cookies. Well, I mean, it, it, but yeah, relative levels of ability, yeah. If you have a predominantly evil party, like you said with earlier with the evil party, and then it had the one paladin. Paladin was all yeah. class. It's just like, why am I even here? You guys don't listen to me. You're laughing uh -huh. at me. You know, you're. He probably has his own reasons for being there. Well, yeah. It, it, it's like, yeah. well, yeah, your God tells you, yeah, keep an eye on these poor, misguided individuals. Okay. Or it's, I'm trying to become more powerful, and I know that wherever we go, we're going to kill a lot of monsters, and we're going to be a lot of treasure, and I'll get that stuff, and I'll become more powerful. And then one day, I'm going to make you all, I'm going to basically, you're, I'm going to make sure you all pay for your crimes. 
Yeah, but in so, the meantime, you know, he's being complicit with all this evil because he's having to work. Hey, I, I know. See, yeah, that's that's yeah. that's 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 uh, that's where you have to resolve that whole lawful good business thing there. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Take, so take again, that great so it, guard, that great if you're evil, right. you know, how does it affect your relationship with NPCs and other PCs? You know, if you if you're going to be evil, I mean, you know, not you know just playing it being evil, but really be evil. Okay, how's that? What what's what's going to happen with your relationships to other people? Well, after a while, depending on the relationship. Now, if it's a relationship where you you're the one in control, as long as you're in control, you know they're going to do what you say. It's that one moment where you slip up. It's that old saying: be careful how you treat people on the way up, because you will meet them again on the way down. When that evil character loses control over those good PCs, if those good PCs have been driven to the breaking point but just the evil character constantly applying the pressure is the only thing that stops him even if for a millisecond that pressure is off the guards that are guarding you while he's asleep you know mess up it's clobbering time yeah you're done so but and, and what was the term kevin sabita made the race in the mechano invasion called the rovers as far as because it's you know yeah you do bad things to a person you can only rob from a dead man once so yeah if you're keeping the people you're subjugated under if you're you know just not slaughtering everybody but you are manipulating them and using them you you have a renewable resource again until you slip up and they you know turn on you but yeah usually evil characters unless they find the way to you know like you know your guy oh but you brought us donuts you know usually the relationships are going to last long once they find out your true motives that you're this evil person bent on domination of this that or the other yeah Societies that are usually good kind of frown upon those type of people. So, yeah, unless the good people find a way to, what what's the term, play both ends against the middle, uh-huh. they're going to yeah. not have much use for this person. They're going to realize, oh, this person is detrimental to our, our group, our society, whatever. He's gone. Get him out of here. Throw him in jail. Kill him. Whatever. Unless, of course, he serves a... a uh... Uh, an exceptional purpose redirecting resources yes it's like you know yeah he's evil he kills people send him against you know this guy oh we have an enemy we'll get we'll get our most evil person to lead our army because he will come up with a way to wipe out that army the best yeah you're just let the character play to their strengths yeah just yeah can can, can you can you truly harness evil you know in the in, in the go, in the goals of good for a little while i mean it doesn't maybe work out all maybe the for a little end, while you can't for yeah a little while yeah see now evil relies on good you see yeah good does not usually rely on evil but evil relies on good evil relies on people as they say always wanting to think the best that's why we're able that's why they're able to you know fool people and, and rob them and trick them and stuff because people you know believe in being straight shooters and they believe that you know a, a man's word is his bond and they believe that you know what you know, seeing is believing well because it's that code that good people go by either by oaths or just societal rules it's there for everybody to see everybody knows these rules so that evil person learns to you know bend the rules until they scream or in some cases break them yeah and as you know and, and then basically and that's why to an evil person you know the the o- the only truly evil thing uh i mean the worst thing ever is just to get caught yeah <laughs> it's not what you did it's the fact that you did get away with it so that's that's the only real failure for evil 
Wasn't is, that, is that wasn't that the 11th commandment Rebo Williams thou shall not get away with it <laughs> yeah that shall not get away with it that's right Remo Williams oh yeah the, the destroyer yep I I read almost the entire series of that oh man no just yeah. when you were saying that that was the first thing you know Wilford yes, thou shalt not get away with yeah. it yeah and so and you and you had a basically a, you know a, a, a kick murder squad uh, whose sole purpose was to find was to take down people that were untouchable. Yeah. So yeah, and and you could see where they would take evil people and do that. Uh, that was the the premise for one of the main characters in um, uh, from Russia with Love, the guy that was the murderer. The guy was a, a, a pathological you know murderer, and they just you know basically pointed him in the right direction, and he'd go out and murder to his heart's content. As long as it was the right person he was murdering, and then they'd haul him back in and, you know, cool him down a little bit and wait till they send him out against a new target. Oh, yeah. wait. Two words. Suicide Squad. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Basically, yeah. that's them. You have, you know, somebody who... And, and, and let's face it. I mean, even the cartoon version. We're not talking... And the movie was great. I mean, Viola Davis, you know, and in the comics, Amanda Waller, you know, is a pretty heavy, stocky woman. But Viola Davis, I looked, and it's like, okay, a little thinner than I expected. But then you look at just how Amanda Waller is, and she knows how to play people. Of course, she ended up popping bullets into the heads of everybody in that office once Rick Flagg got to her. Yeah. But she knew how to harness evil because she, and she even brought up, when when Rick Flagg was talking about, you know, I'll get you a group of pipe fitters who can do whatever we want. We don't need these psychopaths. And she's like, um, the United States government hired the mafia to watch the ports of New New York City during World War II. So Amanda Waller knew how to harness evil again, and she was rationalizing for a greater good. With Superman absent, the America needed protection from superpowered beings. Now the Superman was gone at the time, uh -huh. but. Don't mistake for a second that Amanda Waller was a good person. No, she, no, I would qualify her as evil. I would say so too. Her, yes. her, her, her interests were just redirected, and she was playing to her strengths. Yeah, all those people were just objects to her. She didn't care if any of them lived. Well, yeah, that's why she put nano bombs in all of them. And yes, had, you know, exactly. See, that's that's you know, you enjoy. She enjoyed the domination of others. She enjoyed their pain. Yeah, <laughs> and. Uh, you know, and, 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 and ultimately it was about, you know, her, you know, uh, gaining control over the situation and, quote, saving the world. Well, the thing but, was, see, and then because everything in Midway City happened, who did she turn to, to her for help? Because she knew that her time, it, it cut into her power base because Midway City got as bad as it did. Who did she turn to? Bruce Wayne. That end, that end credit scene in Suicide Squad. Uh -huh. Yeah, so I mean... Yeah, she was evil and then realized she's still, yeah, for manipulating all these superpowered beings and, you know, to do all this, it, it still didn't work out for her. She still was having to clamor to look for favors and, what was it, protection, I believe the word was. Right, right. Well, what, you know, one of the things I wanted to get to was, like, say, how does it affect your relationships? She was an island. She didn't have anybody watching her back. She had basically burned all of her bridges. Well, and so, she yes. Thought, she thought she had the perfect thing and having basically a superpowered mercenary squad under her control. Yeah, she wanted she she wanted to have a group that was so useful to the powers that be that she was untouchable. Yeah. And the problem was is that of course they they were, you know, a uncontrollable and b uh in in, in many ways uh more uh 
honorable than she was. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, like uh, like uh, Deadshot. <laughs> After yes. After just eliminating all of those monsters. That's how I cut and run. <laughs> sure. Oh, no. So, uh, but that, but that was the problem. Was is that you know she could see that 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 these people, you know, I mean, it, she had to keep them on a very short leash, or she would have no control over them, and and then she'd be the person who let them out. Yeah. So th- that's that's why I I think ultimately her goal was to kill them all once they 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 got rid of the witch. Yeah. Well, the thing was, see, she still realized their utility. She didn't kill them. She just threw them back in Bell Reef. Yeah. She rewarded them a little bit, but still, yeah, they were still under her control. But it was the bad PR due to Midway City. That's why she was clamoring for help. Yeah. And ended up I think I think they weren't under her control. I think they were under Deadshot's control. Yeah. He ended think, up proven I, being the team leader. Yeah. As right. As, if there had been no no team leader by the end of that story. I think she would have had to just basically detonate them all because yeah. there was they were just too. You know, they it would have been so hard to just control them. But he was able to just basically lead the back and say, "Don't worry." He says, you know, you know, they're, they're, you're, you 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 had some fun. Now we can go and rest a while, and then there'll be another opportunity. There's always somebody who needs people like us. So that's that's the that's the security that truly evil people have is is that they know that others are always looking for somebody who will go the distance, who will, you know, who don't have limits. Yeah. Who, you know, and who are, and, and who are, you know, it's not that they're expendable. It's just that the fact is that they, you know, they'll do things that other people out of decency would not do. Right. Yeah. So that's why people like that are valuable to so-called good people and good organizations. And that's why you keep torturers around. Yeah. They're, uh, you know, they're, they're willing, to, you know, they're, they're able to do things that other people would not be able to do. And there's some really good movies that basically display that. Uh, there's one on Netflix right now with, uh, oh, uh, I, I just lost his name, one of the very famous black actors. But uh, there's a bomb and this guy, a nuclear bomb, and this is hidden in, in various places. And this one guy knows where they are and so they bring him in. I think it's Samuel Jackson, and they bring him in, and his job is to get this information out. But then they also bring in this woman who's supposed to be like, you know, in charge, and she is, and and she sees what he's capable of, and she's like going, okay, you can't do anything that I don't authorize. And he says, all right. He says, let's find out how far you're willing to go. Not how far I'm willing to go. We already know I'm willing to go all the way. Okay, how far are you willing to go? And the whole movie is about pushing her further along, you know, that route to the point, you know, and and it's it's a really good psychological study. Uh, there's a, uh, and it's got some great cast and such. So, but uh, anyways, I don't want to get give it away to anybody who might want to watch the movie. Right. But uh, the point is, is that you know, there's you know, one of the things about evil is that evil always press pushes boundaries. There's a boundary. Somebody evil is going to push it. So, but it, uh, like I said, I think it undermines relationships. You can't really trust an evil person oh, no. because you know you're that person is always going to act in their own best interest, and you know, if that best interest doesn't match up to you, you know, if you're if you're not you know really important to them, then you know it's you're you're not yeah you, know, <laughs> you better you better cut and run. Because yeah. you know, and uh, it, it's it's and it's so it's hard working with evil characters because of that. You know, it, it's it's like what it's like working with nitroglycerin. Well, I you mean, know, look, in 
in, in my other, you know, my favorite Phantom Farscape, you had the whole dynamic between John Crichton and Scorpius. Scorpius yes. was as evil as he came. I, I yep. still, pound for pound, he's one of the best villains I've seen in the past 20 years. Oh, especially because he isn't even real. I mean, mostly he's a construct in John's brain. Well, no, we're talking the real Scorpius, not but, the mental clone. The mental clone. I know, but but even so, I'm just saying is is that the one in his brain is completely untouchable. You know. Well, <laughs> so. no, John got him under got him under control for you know for quite a while. The whole scene where after John, due to mind control, killed Aaron, and then Stark said, "Wait a minute, he's in your head. There's no power source. You're stronger than him." And John just whips Harvey's ass and throws him in the dumpster. Basically, his way of like, "No, you work for me now." I mean, Scorpius in season four still ended up rebooting you know making it like oh yeah harvey's gone finally and then when scorpius was going to be captured by the scarens here's harvey 2.0 saying yeah it was a a, a a a release thing that if you betray scorpius i come back and bother you again so no scorpius just because john had to work he's with a cockroach him, yeah john had to work with him and after a while scorpius fell out of favor with the peacekeepers therefore he had to side with the only people he knew he could trust the crew of moya Problem is, they yeah. kept him in that particular room. He was always under guard. They always kept an eye on him. He rarely got out and about. Short leash. Yeah, because they knew this is Scorpius. This is the guy that hurt them the worst. Uh-huh. I mean, uh, Commander Graza, yeah, she did her bits. But, yeah, compared to Scorpius, Crace and Graza were, eh. He was just evil through and through. And you try, and they even showed how he, oh, he was tortured because he's half sebation, half staring and all this. And just, and, and he was just, I mean, he ate a piece of John's brain in the one episode. I mean, come on, you know. That, <laughs> when he got the neural clone out of John, the neural chip, you know, he just, oh, yes. And, and you're just seeing Grunch like going, oh, my God. You know, even Brack, yeah. even his, his right-hand man, Brack, is just like, oh, that was nasty. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, all right. So, uh, so does being evil or having uh, you know evil party members is that enhance or reduce the amount of resources available to the PC? It depends on what the evil person wants. If the evil person what- wants power for the other PCs, he's going to use anything and everything at his disposal to enhance the resources. But if he's going to be like your character that burned the grass and that so that limited their oh our tents are burning we lost our lanterns and all that it depends on what the evil person wants yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it was, it was I, I was I, be, I behaved very immaturely yeah well, I'll admit it yeah. so yeah, I was I was trying to figure out what evil was by doing evil things yeah it obviously this is another one of those moments folks where we tell you if you're gonna play an evil character and Bruce found this out the hard way apparently you're gonna need to be a more advanced role player because not only just it's through role playing, and experience with it, but I hate to say it also life experiences. If you're a young person has not had to put up with a lot of evil crap from people, you're not going to know what it's like. Folks, I'm going to, and as of this taping, I'm going to be 50 in two weeks from today. I've seen a lot of evil. I've seen a lot of nasty things that people have done. So I'm a little more qualified to play, not that I would condone evil. And he's been married how many times? Shh, that's not important right now. Um... (laughs) Anyways, you want if you want to know how to find your limits, get married. Wow, <laughs> I'm saying, but well, it's like playing the blues. Johnny Lang, 15 years old, he was a great blues guitarist. Problem is, 
someone else had to write his songs because he hadn't been through life. He was 15. You mm -hmm. play the blues, you write the blues because you've been through hell. You've had mm -hmm. people die. You've had your heart broken. You've been betrayed. That's what the blues is about. It's the same thing with playing an evil character. Yeah, same with Crystal, the, the, the country singer. She was, she was belting out all these songs about men doing her wrong and, and you know, and, and unfulfilled marriages and stuff and all in Patsy Klein and, and, and people are generations looking at her saying, oh, honey, he says, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you what? sound good, but, you know, you just don't know. Oh, Crystal Gale? <laughs> I Maybe. Okay, yeah, that's probably. The only Crystal, that's the only country singer named Crystal that I know of. Yeah. Well, anyways, it's, uh, but I'm just saying that's, there were a whole bunch of uh, really young singers that just had an amazing ability to belt out a song that came out all at the same time. And uh, and, and the the older guard, I want to say old guard, but the older guard would just look at him going, you know, no, it's, it's bad enough that you're, you're eating our lunch, but you don't, you haven't, you don't even know what you're talking about. It sounds like a lot of the, and I'll, I'll try to keep this short. They recently did a mashup of like, oh, the top 15 songs of like, I think 2016. All the guys sounded like, all the girls sounded like. Yeah, there was very little. I could see why the, the older guard was kind of just uh, at them because there was no individuality. There was no heart to the art. Yes. Yeah. As I was, I'll finish my point. We can get to player care, how to play evil and get away with it. Unless you have seen and experienced, unfortunately, evil done to you. In other words, you have some life under your belt. It's hard to play an evil character. So playing an evil character effectively for the purpose of playing an evil character should be something that an advanced gamer should do. Because you have that mindset. You're not going the route that Bruce did with, well, I'm playing evil because I'm doing evil things. No, there's a, it goes a lot deeper than that. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, we go back to the rationalization. Well, you're just making up reasons why you're evil. But still, you have that rationale because you've seen it in life. Either to yourself or you've just seen it even in the media. Just, you know, again, the Kalamazoo Uber driver who just snapped and killed three people. You know, you, you see it, you can process it, and you can put it into the character because you have some type of even second or third hand experience about it. So, yeah, playing an evil character is probably better off if you have, as I said, some life under your belt. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. No commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.